Suburban Folk is now live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Just download the Podbean app and search for Suburban Folk or visit suburbanfolk.podbean.com for the latest topic and login information. We'll talk about what I learned from our most recent episode, give previews of episodes to come, chat with our audience, and answer any questions they may have. We're grateful for all of our listeners that tune in and are excited to share the show to a larger audience. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing us on your favorite podcast platform is a big help, and be sure to share with your friends as well. For those looking to support us even further, a donation button has been added to our website at suburbanfolk.com. All money received will be 100% redirected into advertising and getting the word out about the show. Now sit back and enjoy this episode. Health, travel, finance, parenting, and home improvement. This is the Suburban Folk Podcast. $250 a month into my child's 529 from the month that they start kindergarten, I should be able to pay for 80% of my child's college. Because I don't trust that most people will eat their vegetables. So usually our kind of standard is three servings of vegetables per meal. You take something like a a two by six and you cut it with a circular saw. That's like a superpower. Those middle school years are not as fun, but at that age, they're still willing to talk to you. Welcome to the Suburban Folk Podcast. I'm your host, Greg. My guest today is Dr. Nicolene Amby. She's a group travel advisor and inspirational speaker. She has taught in several universities, colleges, and elementary schools across Canada and the United States for more than two decades. She holds a PhD, two master's degrees, and a bachelor's degree. As a travel advisor with Healing Wonders Travel, her mission is to inspire more frequent travel as an integral part of personal wellness, physical fitness, mental health, and emotional healing. She speaks and trains on the healing wonders of travel and the wonders of travel for employee productivity, in which she takes her audience to amazing destinations and pictures to trigger their sense of wonder, adventure, and desire to explore new spaces, places, and faces. More of her work can be found on her website at www.healingwonderstravel.com. Nicolene, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm really interested to talk about your perspective on travel. It's interesting in your bio how did you get into travel advising from the world of education? That's a great question, Greg. Thank you so much, first of all, for inviting me to your show. I appreciate you, and thank you for your time, you know, in uh, making this, this podcast and inviting us to come on board. I appreciate you for that. And in response to your question, I have had a very difficult life. I grew up a little girl in Africa with very limited resources to do the things that I wanted to do and be the person that I wanted to be. But very early on, I realized and recognized the power of education and how important education would be for me to achieve the dreams and the goals that I wanted for my life. So I took my schoolwork seriously. I became an avid reader and a very good student. I was top of my class always um, uh, as a student. So after completing my education, I have um, I have uh, four degrees, a bachelor's degree, in law, two master's degrees and a PhD in law, all with a desire to really continue to reach and stretch for the goals that I had in my heart. After completing my degrees, I taught law for 10 years and um, also now teaching elementary school special needs students. I've been teaching them for the last uh, 13 years. So I've been in the field of education for 23 years, and I like to say that I went to school and never left. How did you end up going from law to teaching special needs students? I'm sure there was a lot of different twists and turns to where you came up to that, but uh, it's kind of in a nutshell, how did that occur? Right. When I started having young kids, I started, my husband and I started raising three children. I wanted a career that allowed me to be home with them um, after school, help them with homework, spend time with them after they would leave school at 2.30. So that's why I became an elementary school teacher. And raising three girls in the inner city of Compton, and also my husband, when I met him, he was sick for the entire 16 years that I was married to him. And unfortunately, he passed away four years ago. And um, I have had a very, very difficult uh, journey in my life. And as I approach 51, I'm actually 51, as I approach 52, my kids have grown up and they're, you know, two are in college now and one is going to high school. My life is looking at me and I'm asking myself, what's going to happen to me in the, the, you know, the rest of my life? What am I going to do with my life? What do I want to do? 
And uh, the answer to that question is, Nicolene, you got to get away. You have to get away. You have to explore new places, explore new spaces, new faces, meet new people. And that's how I got into travel. It's For me, it's truly a way to heal myself of all of the things that I've had to deal with in my entire life. And my goal is to get out there and uh, meet people, see the world as I approach retirement and to, to just experience new places and new environments and have new experiences as an integral part of my healing and moving away from, from a very difficult past. And that's why I got into travel. Up to that point, so like you mentioned, you were um, born in Africa. Mm -hmm. I know in your bio that you taught at least at some point in Canada. Like you mentioned, I think you're still based in Los Angeles now, if I'm not mistaken. How much travel did you do before making a very conscientious decision to make travel a part of your life? I'm assuming you already had done a, a, a large amount of travel, just even... No, not at all. The only travel I did was remove myself from Africa, a young 22-year-old girl, and I got a scholarship uh, from a Canadian, from the Canadian government to study in Canada. And I landed in Canada, didn't know anyone, didn't know where to go, and the bus driver was very kind to me, picked me up from the airport and took me to the Y. YWCA. That was the only travel I had done until um, I started thinking about the joys and the healing wonders of travel. Um, the only other travel I did was um, traveling around to speak in different places. I was a parent empowerment speaker for nine years, but that was work. For me, that was part of my job. I wasn't really traveling to heal. Um, I was traveling for work. So at this stage in my life, I'm actually deliberately traveling just to heal myself and to encourage other people as well to just get away and experience the universe in all its wonders. I think that is an interesting distinction for business travel versus travel for pleasure. I know for myself, when I first got out of school, I thought it was so exciting to you know, go to a, a different city for work and hey, they're paying for my hotel and you know, your food. And it's amazing how quickly that novelty of having it paid for uh, wears away. And then like you said, it's work, you know, if you go to a city and let's say somebody asks you after, oh, what was it like? It's like, well, in a lot of cases, you're stuck in wherever that office is all day. If you have a family and, you know, like you mentioned your family, you probably want to get back to them as quickly as you can. So you're likely taking flights out, you know, almost immediately whenever the meetings or, or whatever you're there to do are over. So it really doesn't give you a lot of ability to explore the, the town you're in. And of course, like you said, it's work. So you're probably focused on that and all of the stressors that potentially come with work. So I, th I think that is a very good distinction. And I think something else you're hitting on as far as even in your journey from a professional standpoint, you mentioned having the flexibility with your kids growing up, which is something that we've talked about a little bit on our show with, with parenting. And I got to imagine that as we get into more of the travel considerations, having that flexibility in your work life is probably pretty key and something that Unfortunately, I don't know that people review, let's say, their PTO policies or what kind of demands they're going to have day to day to even be able to travel and have some of that flexibility. Have you found that with your clients? Yes, yes. Um, uh, our mindset, many of us in this era, our mindset is we have a work mindset. It's about work and making money and taking care of the kids and our responsibilities. But we don't really think about finding that flexibility and spending time with our children. And that's what I was talking about for several years as a parent empowerment speaker, how important it is to intentionally make time to spend with our children. There was an Australian nurse, an Australian nurse, her name, her name um, is Bronnie Ware. And Bronnie Ware wrote a book called The Five Top Regrets of the Dying, in which she interviewed people in their last days, and she asked them, if you were to live your life all over again, what would you do differently? And the number one thing they said was, I wish I had spent more time with my children. I wish I'd taken my son to that baseball game. I wish I'd taken my daughter to her ballet. I wish I'd spent more time with my wife or my husband. But at the end of our days, we're really more thinking about 
the love and the connection and the memories that we create with families, not about the successes at work or the employee of the month or our achievements. So that's something we have to intentionally think about and also integrate that. I'm also integrating that with travel as well. I'm really glad that you said that because I totally agree. And again, I think in some of our prior episodes, we hit that topic that, you know, to say it another way, nobody's on their deathbed saying, I wish I spent more time in the office. It's like you said, it's <laughs> more of what are, what are the relationships, you know, did what did you cultivate, you know, with your family that will likely make you feel more satisfied. So that probably segues us over into, again, your business. And like you've mentioned, people don't necessarily think of the healing qualities, but it makes a lot of sense based on my experience. So when you talk about those healing qualities and even for your own journey, um, what are we talking about? Physical, mental, emotional, all types? Yes, we are talking about all types. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke with um, another podcaster, uh, Greg, whose name is Everett, Everett Bruin. He's um, South African. And he told me that he had been an alcoholic for several years and just didn't know how to get away from that. But a cycling trip across Europe healed him from alcoholism. And there are so many people who are enjoying the benefits of just getting away, going to the mountains, going to a resort, just getting away from their zip code and experiencing and enjoying. And it's an intentional decision that we have to make. So, yes, um, there are several studies that show that um, traveling heals, that it lowers our risks of heart disease, death from heart disease. The United States Travel Association says that traveling boosts productivity and um, employees enjoy greater success at work and happiness at work when they get away um, from work. The Global Coalition on Aging says that older adults enjoy several benefits of traveling physically and cognitively. So there are real benefits. People get away and go do yoga in um, you know, Puerto Rico because it's healing. So there, there are real benefits and documented research showing that there's a definite connection between wellness, spiritual healing, physical healing, um, and travel. Is there a way to categorize types of vacations that match with the type of healing somebody's looking for? So the example that you gave, the gentleman was biking through Europe. Well, just being able to bike presumably a lot of miles has a physical benefit to it. And I think for anybody that does something like biking or even before we started recording, you and I were talking about long distance running. There is a mental release, I think, for that. But um, it, it, when you say physical, does it mean something that would be that physically demanding? Or are we also talking about beach vacations and they could have a physical healing element to it as well? Yes, that's a good question. Yeah, physical healing in terms of getting up, going through the airports, running to catch your flight, getting in the uh, arrival airport, picking up your luggage, getting to the resort. And when people get in the resort, they don't stay in bed. They are active. They go around. They go to different places. Some people go sightseeing. Some lay on the beach and get vitamin C, vitamin D to good for the body. So that's physical healing. And then just away, well, um, emotional healing, getting away from stuck spaces, getting away from um, emotional stresses, things that bother you. When you get away, you don't think about them so much. Um, mental healing as well, just releasing releasing problems from your mind. When you, you, you get away, you release uh, mentally. And uh, did I say emotional? So mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually as well. See, a lot of people engage in travel for spiritual purposes as well. It's, it's huge. And we just need to go on, go on, you know, and look at the research. And a lot of people are healing by just getting away. And maybe to expand upon spiritual, and I, that tends to mean different things to different people. From your perspective, what, what does that mean to you? From my perspective, spiritual healing is getting away and looking at yourself and thinking clearly about who you are, the choices you need to make, the direction you need to go in, and really clearly defining yourself. 
because we live in an era where everybody wants to look like everybody. Everybody wants to do what everybody is doing. There seems to be a way of doing things. But when you get away, you really connect. You really come home to yourself. And you start to think about the things that are more important to you and start staying in alignment with what's, what truly matters to you. When in, in our usual environment, uh, everyday environment, going to work, taking care of kids, it's hard to find that time. But you can create that time when you get away to really think. And when you come back, you come back a fresh new person. You think clearly. You have a well-defined set of uh, principles and uh, ways that you want to think and see. So it's very nurturing. It's very nurturing. Does that make sense, sir? It does, yes. And um, I think where you said sort of realigning yourself is an important concept that you can get very blinders on for your day-to-day what you're doing. And it gives you a second, I would think, to even just step back and say, okay, are the things that I'm doing day-to-day just because it's my habits, um, you know, are they getting me where I need to be? And it goes back to what do you want to look back on your life and say that you've done? And if those habits that you formed don't fall in line with what you're ultimately looking to achieve in your life, then hopefully, you know, whether it's a vacation or hopefully that would give you a chance to realign again, your, your day-to-day habits with um, ultimately what you're trying to do. Are there any types of vacations that you steer folks away from? And here's what I mean by that. Cruises are something that my kids are aged three and five. So we're not like necessarily cruise people all the time, but right now it makes a lot of sense so that we don't have to deal with the car seats or, you know, just other accommodations. So it gives us a little bit of seeing different areas, um, but also alleviates some of the headaches that come with traveling with smaller children. Another thing that would come to mind is like an all-inclusive resort that, you know, you're pretty much on that resort. You're not necessarily getting out and seeing the sights or the culture. So that's what I mean by certain types of vacations. Do you steer people away from certain ways to see a new area versus others? Not really. It really depends on uh, people's individual preferences. Of course, I think maybe you're speaking in terms of safety, being safe. When you're traveling with little kids, I would advise against just going to a resort, for example, say, for example, in Jamaica, and you take your kids and you start going into the city, just to sightsee into the city. So that's dangerous because we don't know who, um, you don't, really know how things work in a particular city. But other than that, traveling is pretty safe now. Um, There are a lot of vendors and suppliers that have great safety measures and uh, for families or individuals. So traveling right these days is pretty safe. It's pretty safe. Uh, Vendors are really good with that. But um, other than that, no. Um, It's it's based on um, personal preference. Uh, There are people who prefer to do adventures, go on mountains, skiing. There are people who prefer cruises. Some prefer all-inclusive resorts. Some want to just go to villas. Others want to just do Airbnb. So it's a huge variety and huge uh, uh, differences in how uh, people enjoy uh, the traveling experience. So tailor it to what somebody's preferences are <laughs> if they want something right. yeah if they want something that's all packaged up and ready to go in the form of a tour group or a bus tour whatever that happens to be to the cruises to again going back to like you said the guy that did biking through Europe I think that makes sense and yes exactly see I wouldn't do that I would not do that <laughs> and some people would never cruise and others would never so it's really, and that's the beauty of travel. There's so much variety to cater to who you are and your personality and your fa- what you want for your family and your children. Yeah, agreed. And like you said, you know, with the amount of options that are out there now and relatively speaking, being pretty safe, obviously use common sense <laughs> depending on where somebody is traveling. But overall, you know, most areas probably are, are pretty safe. It It leaves it pretty wide open. Going back to the work part of it for, you know, the amount of self-reflection like we've talked about and physical, mental healing. Do you have a recommended amount of travel that somebody should aspire to in a given year, let's say? Yes. I think in a given year, if your finances are limited, then once a year is very important. 
if you have enough more, if you have a little more money, then twice a year. Maybe you can go with your family one time, and then on Valentine's Day or something, you can take your spouse uh, if you can afford it twice a year. But I think once a year, the United States Travel Association actually declared January 28th National Plan for Vacation Day. Okay. January 28th is National Plan for Vacation Day, where the association is encouraging everybody to plan an annual vacation. And uh, the goal is that um, when we do that, when we get away from work, it's actually healing, it rests the mind, the body, and it's actually good to, uh, for productivity. So, so, yes, once a year, a planned vacation um, is helpful. And it just, you know, if you have children, I would recommend adding kids. You could add the kids every other year. Um, but definitely, um, if you're married, take your spouse away once a year. Um, studies show that couples that travel together are happier, they're healthier, and they enjoy more sex. My wife will quote what you just said right there because we actually <laughs> debate back and forth about how many vacations we should have with the kids versus going off on our own. And, you know, everybody's parenting situation is different and what kind of support they have as far as whether or not you have the grandparents around to you know, watch the kids for a week or again, the age of those kids. But uh, I, I definitely can speak for her that she will second what you just said <laughs> as far as <laughs> having a family vacation time and then having, you know, maybe a uh, separate vacation with, with your spouse um, when you can. For the annual vacation we're talking about, do you recommend that people try to go to a different place every single year? How do you feel about people that have uh, a beach house or just a favorite spot that they sort of do that year over year? Oh, no. The favorite spot is not very exciting. You can't go to the same place every year. Great. When I got into travel, I was blown away. I mean, blown away by the by destination and the places that exist in this world. And it seems to be getting more luxurious and more sophisticated every day. There are resorts out here in the world that I never dreamed existed. Everywhere in the world, in Africa, in Europe, in the Caribbean. So you can't be in the same place. That's why timeshares are not very popular because they limit you to just certain places. Mm -hmm. But there's so many places to see, so many in Dubai. So I, you, you could be a, a person who wants to country hop, go from one country to the other. You will see a lot of different uh, destinations in different countries. Africa has some amazing resorts that you wouldn't even believe. You can go country hopping or you can go island hopping. There's so many different islands in the Caribbean, so many resorts. I mean, resort hopping, so many resorts in the Caribbean, in Jamaica. And they are competing with each other to be the best resort. So, yes, go to different places. Even in the U.S., there are so many resorts that are coming up now, especially in Arizona, in, in Florida. Good, good places to go to everywhere so you can find you can either do the research yourself or find a travel agent who can um, identify these resorts for you and recommend them um, that's what i share with my clients to find someone who can do the work for you or do the research yourself we have a similar mindset actually some people that have kids that are older than ours that do either have like you said a timeshare or have a beach house of their own you know, we'll sort of talk about, oh, okay, well, that that's probably has some convenience. But I think what I've come to the conclusion on is after your kids get to a certain age where, they, again, they can travel more easily and, and you can expand the places you're going to for all the reasons you mentioned, then you've sort of got to unload this property, <laughs> you know, at some point. And, you know, of course, I'm sure you have plenty of opinions about timeshares. I'll share that my <laughs> parents had one. And they were definitely ready to offload it. Basically, they said they were going to use it for mine and my brother's honeymoons. And once they were done with that, they were just itching to get rid of it. Um, like you said, because of the restrictions and you don't necessarily want to go to the same places. So I'm happy to hear you say that because, like I said, I think that's the conclusion that I've at least come up to of there is 
so many different places out there and so many different cultures that, that not to limit yourself. How does um, experiencing other cultures fit into, again, the theme of the overall healing of travel? Oh, yes. That's a great question. You know, I just recently came back from Jamaica. I had never been to Jamaica. And the Jamaicans that I knew were people that I met here. So I have a limited understanding of who Jamaicans are. I'm thinking Jamaicans are, you know, people with dreadlocks and they just want to, you know, smoke and they're not really <laughs> serious. I have these preconceived notions and, uh, I, I, you know, of who they are. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Jamaica and I saw a whole different set of people. I'm like, wow, they're nothing like the stereotypical thinking about Jamaicans that I have. So going abroad is really good in helping us get rid of those stereotypes and limited thinking and ways of seeing people in a, in a specific way. So I went to Jamaica. The people are extremely very nice, very cordial, very friendly, uh, very professional, they have a small country. They don't have a lot, but they take care of what they have. So I was very, very impressed. And that's what traveling does. It helps you see people be more human in how you see people and be more understanding in how people live and more empathetic. And I think it fits right in with the theme that we're talking about of giving you the chance to recenter and reprioritize if you need to. Like you said, I think the stereotype probably for a number of Caribbean islands is that poor actually funny you mentioned Jamaica because I actually just watched cool runnings last night with my family the old Disney movie and like you said you know everybody everybody talks the way that you sort of have in your head of Jamaicans talking and, and it's, again sort of all the stereotypes but yeah you can see how people are living what's important helps give another perspective so that if you need another perspective to, to help you evaluate what's important in your life, um, it's there. And I also think that uh, sometimes those experiences with the people that live in the area you've gone to are the most memorable from a particular uh, vacation that you might have gone on. Um, we did Northern Ireland a number of years ago, and I remember more stories of the people that we met in the pubs, you know, after we did all the sightseeing as much as any of the museums or anything else. And, and again, it, it really helps um, center your perspective. Yes, absolutely. I like how you said that. Very true. So you, you've talked about some of the places like um, Jamaica. I definitely want to hear what your thoughts are for Africa because it's on my bucket list, but I don't really have anything centered yet for, for where we would try to go. What are some of the places that you recommend folks uh, put on their bucket list? Yes, I recommend South Africa. Have you been to South Africa? I have not. Okay, South Africa is great. Um, Tanzania is also great. Southern Africa, Zambezi is good. There are a lot of wonderful resorts in Africa. You can Google it and it'll come up. And Ghana is getting really good too. Ghana is giving free citizenship to Americans. Ghana is giving citizenship to Americans now. So Americans are, Americans are flocking into Ghana, buying properties there. So Ghana is a good one. But it just also depends on what you want to do when you get there. Do you want to experience more of the culture? Do you want to experience more wildlife? Um, do you want to just relax? So that will answer the question as to which uh, places and resorts you would stay in. If I did want to do what I'll say is the typical, I'm using air quotes, safari, where would that be the best to do? Oh, it would be in Southern Africa. It would be in South Africa and Tanzania. And I, that's kind of what I thought, but I just wanted to, to double check that. And on a vacation like that, can you do both, um, you know, experience some of the culture in like, let's say the bigger cities, I don't know, go to whatever types of public gathering places or things like that, as well as have enough time to actually go and do some of the wildlife sightseeing? Yes, you can. You can. And I should also add Kenya to the list as well. Um, you can do the safest one would be, I think, um, Trafalgar. Trafalgar is a travel vendor. They're very good. They do tours. and You can uh, curate your tour. 
and they pick you up from the airport, they take you to your hotel, they provide your meals, they take you on your tour, they have great guys, professional experts who have been vetted. So it's pretty safe. Like I said, travel these days is safe. There are some people who have traveled so many years, they can just get up and go on their own. They know, <laughs> they know people and places and things to do when they go on their own because they've, they've made friends over the years. But for those who have not done that, I really ex- um, encourage going as part of a tour um, um, through a travel supply, a reliable travel supply. But it's very, very safe. And when you go there, you can't just get up and just go strolling on the street and just, you know, you know, go, on, go off on your own. That's how a lot of people get in trouble. You got to, you know, be wise and be safe and be alert and, and stay within um, the travel requirements by the supplier. For the the groups, the touring groups that offer, you know, kind of packages that, like I said, whether it's a bus tour or other things like that, I imagine there are also services catering particularly to um, individual travelers. So if you happen to you know, be out of college or not not living where all your friends were and you can't get on a vacation with your family or something like that. Do you also recommend those types of services that welcome individual travelers and would even presumably like pair you up with, with other folks to travel with? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, solo traveling is, is very popular now. A lot of people are getting away and and going away. That's not my thing. Would you do that, Greg? I would love to tell you yes, but the answer is is no, because uh, actually the scenario I gave it pretty much describes my experience coming out of college. I actually moved to Salt Lake City for a couple years, didn't know anybody, and I really hadn't traveled in that area of the country at all. So I had a great opportunity to, you know, go see Yellowstone or I did get to Vegas at least. Um, but, but, you know, really hit the mountain West, but I, I didn't do it because I didn't have anybody to travel with and I didn't, you know, sort of peek my head out to, to find some other folks to go with. So it was kind of a missed opportunity. And only after the fact did I realize that there are at least some services available for people to do it. And like you said, I've, I've understood that it's become more popular over the years, maybe than, you know, when I was in that situation. Yes, there are a lot of travel agents who offer group travel, like group cruises or group retreats, and you can go as an individual and make friends or take a friend and travel with. I have an annual retreat um, that I do every year. In 2021, we're going to the Bahamas, and people are joining in to those who want to go to the Bahamas. They come on. They're coming on. So you can be part of something like that if you want to be a solo traveler, come on and make friends or just bring a friend along. Um, that's the best way um, that uh, people are, well, not the best way, but those who um, don't plan to travel, you can go as part of a group. Even rolling that back to the points that we were making before uh, about trying to get away at least once a year. So somebody that finds themselves in the situation I described, like for myself, you would still say, you know, hey, if you just can't find somebody to travel with, it's still better to take that trip in that year and, you know, again, find a group like this. Or would there be any other alternatives to sort of, I don't want to say check the box for that year, but it's more important to have that vacation in the year, let's say, than to wait just because you don't have the right set of folks to go with. Is that true? That's very true. I don't know if you know, you know, Tracy Ellis Ross, Diana Ross's daughter, she said, she talked about solo traveling and how that really, really helped her. And she is really big on just getting away. Every year she goes away on her own. So if that's not something that people want to do, like I wouldn't go, I'm not a solo traveler. I wouldn't do that. But for those who want to really just get away and just find themselves and start a new way of thinking, a new way of seeing, just starting to change certain things in their lives, that's a great opportunity just to go away for a day or two. Um, But as part of your planned vacation, you want to find groups that are going away and be a part of the group. It's just a matter of paying a deposit and paying small payments, and you're going to be part of a group. But again, if you're part of a group and you're not really, you don't really know anyone, I don't know how comfortable uh, you would feel. So it just depends on uh, people's personal preference, where they are and what 
what would make them more fulfilled. Yeah, I was actually going to say the exact same thing of one of the things we let off with that personal preference, you know, just like there are unique individuals, there are certainly um, unique options for how to travel and with whom and so on. So if it works for folks, makes sense. But that is a good point that if you're so much of an introvert that it's going to make you uncomfortable <laughs> traveling with people that you just met, then that's going to be a detriment to the overall experience. Right. Absolutely. Going back to some of the places that you would recommend. So that's, that's perfect for me with Africa. We didn't necessarily hit Europe yet. Well, let's just go there. Highlights for what you would say people should put on their bucket list for a Europe vacation. You know, Greg, I started to listen to that question and I didn't have an answer. I don't have an answer for it because, number one, the it's really based on your motive for traveling, the reasons why. Are you traveling with your spouse? Are you traveling with your girlfriends? Are you traveling with your children? Are you traveling with a business team? Why are you traveling? Are you traveling for health and wellness? Are you traveling as a family vacation? Is it an adventure? Are you just being curious? Are you traveling as a couple, as a group? Are you traveling for spiritual healing? So that will answer the question as to where you you will go. So I could tell you, Greg, I could say, okay, go to uh, a Sandals Resort in Antigua. I, I could say that's a good place to go, a Sandals Resort in Antigua. But you want to go with your children, that's not a good place for children to go. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's an adult-only resort, but it's a beautiful, wonderful resort. So um, it's really based on who you're traveling with, and how you want to feel when you get there and what you want to do when you get there. So when, when you answer that question, then we can a travel agent can help you determine the appropriate location and the appropriate country that will make you feel awesome after your travel experience. A consideration for us, again, with the kids the age they are, we thought about doing London this coming year. We did sort of a, a staycation in our area and did some of the museums and the kids didn't do so good. <laughs> so we sort of rethought like, you know, I always think, of course, history with Europe. And so there's going to be, I would imagine, in most of those vacations, uh, some amount of historical things like that. So that, that was a consideration for us. Like, okay, if they, they couldn't make it in the staycation, then, you know, we're, we're maybe going to put Europe on hold a little bit. But again, it goes back to your point. of. Well, tell me a little more, Greg. What happened? What did they like? We were just in DC and we did, you know, the Smithsonian museum stuff. So this was the first time we actually tried Airbnb as a family and the accommodations were fine in general, but they were not able to really get to sleep with their regular bedtime routine. You know, obviously they were basically in the same, sort of like a flat. So, um, you know, the same room we are, which they're not used to that having their own separate room. So it really just came down to being tired, <laughs> you know, is, is, is the main part of it. So when we got to the museums, they're both just out of their minds. <laughs> it was definitely enough of a sign that if we went to London and we definitely would have to go see, you know, the museums and, and all of the, you know, different, again, historical sites that, that it would be a gamble as to whether or not they would be able to stick with it. <laughs> that is so cute. But you know what I think? I think maybe if they had gone to a resort and they were running around on the beach, they may have liked that. Right. Right. Exactly. And that's actually you know, preview for our vacations this year. We're, 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 we're sticking with those types. Actually, you mentioned sandals uh, and, and you're right on that this is not set up as a family vacation. We're um, going to go do one that's basically the exact same concept as sandals, but is specific for family, has the kids zones and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, so yeah, to your point <laughs> that depending on people's situation and their preferences, you, you got to sort of work through all those things before you would give a very specific recommendation for where to go and, and the types of, of accommodations. Yes, and you actually somehow have to know the, the personalities of the people who are traveling. Mm -hmm. So you should ask those questions, uh, what they like, what do you like to do on a daily basis, what do you enjoy most, and then you determine what resort or what property would be best based on your personality type. I would imagine so. For sure, that just to know the person, and I'm sure that's probably part of your initial fact finding <laughs> when you bring on a new a new client. Is there any amount of sightseeing, touring versus downtime in a given vacation that you recommend? That's a great question. You know, I went to uh, when I went to Jamaica. It was a friend's 50th birthday, 
But I felt exhausted coming back. So she packed, she packed on so much. There was something to do every minute. All day we were doing things. But I think it should be 50-50. I think going away should be a time of rest as well. Just resting the body and just getting away. And also sightseeing some. So it shouldn't be all sightseeing. But then again, it depends. Some people are more active. They want to get up and go and go or be gone all day and come back. But that's not me. I want to be able to... Um, pair it with some resting as well. So I recommend 50-50, go out and meet the locals and do some sightseeing, but also find time when you can come back to the resort and come back and just rest, rest your body so that you can come back fulfilled and um, complete. Growing up, I think that even my parents would agree that we were the type that you mentioned, like, go, 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 see everything you possibly can, maybe a little downtime with dinner, but, you know, usually early to rise to go see more things um, for wherever we found ourselves that you didn't have a lot of downtime after dinner. And, and yeah, it was definitely a lot of that. Now, they'll also point out that I'm probably the, I don't want to say oddball of the family, but I am a little, I'm not as into certain historical things as the rest of my family. So uh, maybe I would be the only one with that perspective to say, yeah, maybe if we slowed down a little bit and like you said, meet people that live in the area or um, just general downtime so that you can sit and reflect um, would be good. Uh, I think all of my, like my brothers and, and my parents continue to be more on the go, go, go side. And, and, you know, I guess that's why family units are what they are. <laughs> my wife and I try to build in, I think some of the relaxation time so that, you know, you're not feeling super rushed or, or like you're missing something and add extra stressors. What do you think about the amount of time when you get back? Do you recommend, if possible, somebody even having one extra day at least before they're back into their work schedule or just, you know, that daily grind? I think when you come back, you're ready to go the next day. And, and that also uh, goes to being with resting while you're over there, when, when, while you're on your trip. You want to make sure that you have enough rest. You're not rushing and running and, you know, being busy all day while you're away so that when you come back, you can find your pace. You can ease into work. So I think when you come back, if it's not a rushed vacation, you'll be ready to go the next day. But you've been, if you've been running and rushing while you're on vacation, you would need another day just to <laughs> cool down, which defeats the whole purpose of being away in the first place. Let me edit my answer before as far as, as relaxation is concerned. When we first started the podcast, uh, we did an episode on our Walt Disney World trip. And my wife did amazing research on just every single detail. And it turned out, I don't know how much you follow sort of the iterations of Disney World, but they were opening that Star Wars attraction like a week before we were going. And originally it wasn't supposed to be that early. So they had these extra magic hours, as they call them, so that people that were staying on the resorts, which we were, uh, could go early. And so we did that. <laughs> In particular, uh, the Hollywood Studios, I think, was the the park that has the Star Wars, I think it opened it. It was either 6 or 7 a.m. <laughs> so, you know, even though I'm saying, you know, we sort of try to put some relaxation in. And we did as far as like kids nap times and being on the resort so we at least could walk back and forth to some of the parks. <laughs> we definitely had a couple of days where be in bed by 9 at the latest because you're getting up at 5, <laughs> you know, and... To, to beat the crowds and, and get everything in. And I know when we did that episode, a lot of the comments that came back was like, wow, you guys are being really optimistic with how the kids are going to be able to hang in with all the activities. But we, we did get them all in. But maybe maybe we're not putting in as much downtime as I think we are after the fact. And you can always come back. You can always go back and say, you know, this year we're going to do one, two, one, three. Next year, we're going to do three, four, five, and six, you know, and just pace yourself. When you, when you, that happens when you plan. When you plan, you can achieve without feeling, you know, out of alignment, out of feeling rushed. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, obviously, it depends where you're at, I guess, whether or not you think you'll ever make it back 
to that particular vacation spot again. But yeah, if you can break it up, you'll presumably appreciate it more when you don't have as much going on. So we hit a little bit, or at least alluded to, cost, just meaning if you can afford more than one vacation a year, go ahead and do it. But um, what are some of your strategies for making the travel accommodations more affordable so that people really are getting a bang for their buck? I think, first of all, I encourage people not to cheat themselves on a good vacation. Like, treat yourself. You work extremely hard. You go to work every day. You're very consistent with work. When it comes to your vacation, don't don't cheat yourself. So go where you need to go just to have the fun and feel the way that you want to feel. And in order to experience that, sometimes the vacations may be a little more expensive if you want to really treat yourself. So the best way to do that is to plan ahead, plan a year ahead or two years ahead. Put down a small deposit and make small payments until you go on your trip and enjoy the vacation that you want without feeling like, you know, staying at a a certain kind of villa is probably less expensive than staying at a resort, but you get more in terms of being treated, uh, being more uh, luxurious treatment at a resort, right? So you want to plan ahead to make sure that you go to the experience the places that you want to experience and um, so planning is important. The second way is um, getting a travel agent to find deals for you. Um, if you're not particular about where you want to go, there's so many deals, especially from, are you in Pennsylvania, Greg, or Virginia? Ah, there's so many, so many deals coming out of the East Coast, Ohio, Pennsylvania. You could go to a beautiful resort in the Caribbean for $500, airfare included, um, three days, four days, uh, three nights, four nights, five nights for about $500. So there are those deals that are available if you're not picky as to the destination you want to go to. The uh, travel agent can help you get those deals. And also, you know, just planning ahead and, and, and working with an agent who can find those deals for you. And I'm sure some of those deals are available on the Internet as well. So those are the two ways um, of making travel more affordable. I would be, I don't, I'm not the person who would do a cheap hotel, two-star or three-star, just because I want to be, you know, afforded. I would rather take time and go to a more luxurious resort, but plan better, uh, plan ahead. Does that have any drawbacks for, or let me put this scenario in front of you. If somebody said, we're flexible about where we go, but also that they were flexible on, yeah, the accommodation, two, three star, would you then have a strategy to go to a location maybe they hadn't talked about or thought of because you can get it for, let's say, the same price for a better hotel or better resort versus one of the other places maybe that had been discussed, but can't get as good of a deal? Yes, yes. And I would share it with them. I would share with them what's available and um, how much they'll pay for it and how many stars the resort is, and then they can decide. But I'll make that information available to them. And also, um, if you want to travel off-season when it's not busy, there are some days that are, some months that are busier than others. If clients are willing to travel outside of the busy season, there are some really great deals as well, especially something like now, for example. If you want to go uh, end of uh, January, there are some good deals. It's going to start getting busy around Valentine's Day. So if uh, clients are willing to travel off-season, then there, there are a lot of deals that are available. How about the flash deals that you see on sites like um, Travel Zoo is one that comes to mind. I'm sure there's plenty of others where it seems like if you can travel, if you can sort of drop everything and book the vacation that's three weeks away or something like that, how, how do you like those? Is that something that you point folks to as well? Or do you find that most folks you know, aren't in a situation where they can sort of drop everything and say, okay, then I'll, I'll do my vacation right now? Right, exactly. Most folks are not in that position. And I don't think travel should be that way. Unless you've prepared your mind ahead and say, you know what, I'm going to be ready to just go with the best deal unless you've told yourself that. Otherwise, you know, just jumping on a deal because it's available, 
you have to be mentally ready for that. Travel is something that you plan, you plan ahead, you think about ahead of time. The, you know, the whole thinking process about you going on a vacation and looking forward to it and planning for it, it sets the mood, you know? And I guess also if you're sort of flying by the seat of your pants with one of these last minute deals, it's also counterintuitive to everything we've been talking about as far as just the healing itself. You don't want to add, you know, you don't want to add the stress of last minute planning and anything like that. So give yourself time. Exactly. Right there. Do you typically ask clients what their budget is and then present them options based on that budget? Or do you have them give, again, location, time of year, all those things that, like you said, can affect cost, and then you do the research and maybe give some options there before they say whether or not it's too expensive or not expensive enough? Right. No, I don't ask what their budget is because then it starts to be about the money. And I ask more about um, how they want to feel while they're away and who they're traveling with and what they want to do while they're away. And then I'll share some recommendations. I'll share one one more pricey um, uh, destination or and then a medium and then a less expensive, less pricey one, and then they can choose. But it will be based on what they want first as opposed to their budget. Yeah, I like that because one experience we had with a travel agent was really what I, the scenario that I gave, they said, Oh, well, what are you looking to spend? So, you know, I threw a number out there. And then when we get some of the hotels and stuff back, you know, it caused me to do some extra research because I had some sticker shock of like, Oh my gosh, really? And it's, and so they're sort of backing into the number, right? And, and it's like, well, hey, if there's, something down the street that is an equivalent as far as the accommodations. Now, again, to your point, one star, two star, three star, there is definitely a consideration for that. But if you're comparing an apples to apples and one is $100, $200 cheaper and all the reviews and so are the same, it's like, well, why wouldn't I want to just save that money? So admittedly, one of those first experiences that I had with a travel agent was was a bit off-putting from that standpoint of, okay, well, you know, how much is it going to be? And then let's sort of retrofit the accommodation. So I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that, you know, you go sort of the different way of what is the experience you're looking to have? Then we can talk about what, what the budget looks like and, you know, how we can make it all work. Exactly. For me, truly, I truly believe that travel is about healing. I really believe that to my core. And I want people who travel to feel wonderful to feel at ease, to not feel any pressure, any tension, anything about money. Just go on and enjoy yourself, feel great, come back, be okay with whatever you spend on your, you know, on your trip. And uh, just, I just want my clients to feel comfortable um, about the, the experience from the planning all the way to returning home from the trip. I think that makes complete sense, keeping any potential stressors out of it so that all the planning is done and, and that you're sort of there as a resource to do that. I, one thing I'm curious about around affordability is uh, do travel advisors get access to deals that the general public wouldn't be able to get if I go on a Priceline or a Hotwire? No, we don't. The only difference between a travel agent and people who go online is that the travel agents get paid a commission for booking that same trip that you're booking. That's the only difference. Otherwise, you can also go online and find the same deals that I, that I can find. But the travel agents, our work is to just get the headache, get you not, you don't have to be, you know, think going online and searching and doing the work and tracking your trip and everything like that. We're here to serve. We're here to take all of that so that you can focus on your enjoyment. I've seen brides that actually book their own uh, reservations and do all that. It's not necessary. You have your wedding to take care of. You have your spouse you should be focused on. You have things to do. Let someone else do that work. But I think people have a mindset and a mentality that, oh, the travel agent is going to make more money or is going to be more pricey or something like that. But um, no, it's the same rates that are set by, I think the government sets the rates. I don't know who sets the rates, but it's the same rate everywhere. The only difference is someone else will do the work for you and someone else will get paid a commission by the supplier. And then um, you don't have to worry about that. 
Yeah, it's it's the time savings aspect is the is the value. And people want to control the process. I don't know where that mindset comes from. They want to have total control over that. That uh, it's just a lack of understanding about how things work in the travel business. But no, it's not necessary to to do that unless you want to, uh, you know, unless there are people who just want to be sure take control of the process. That's fine. But if it becomes stressful, you can hand it over to someone else to do it for you. And you can just go on and relax and be assured. Find a, 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 a you know, a reputable, trustworthy um, agent who cares for you and who will do the work for you so that you can relax and get away. Are there any resources that somebody should use? I don't know, like a certification or anything like that that exists in the world of travel advisors? You mean to become a travel advisor? Right. So I'll compare it to like a, like a financial, like a certified financial planner, you know, as sort of an industry standard. Yes. Yes. Actually, there are a lot. Now it used to be so hard to become a travel agent. Now there's so many home-based travel agencies. Anybody can become a travel agent. Instead of going online, spending hours and hours and hours and booking and doing all the work and not getting paid for it, you might as well become a home-based travel agent and book the trips and get paid for it. And people do that. They become home-based travel agents. They book trips. They start groups, you know, and they take people on vacations and they get paid to do that work. I think it goes back to the trust thing that you were mentioning that I'm wondering, you know, if people get skeptical because like my scenario, you know, if you get a a price point back that you weren't sure about, then it leads you to go and say, where did they get that from? Or, you know, how come it's coming out this way? So I would imagine that making sure that the client, your clients trust you and the research that you're doing is, is pretty key in the overall relationship building. Very good. Good point. Yes, a lot of people have lost trust in the agents they work with, so they want to just do it by themselves. Very good. Yeah, that's true. Are there any other resources? Like you said, it seems like the general public does have access to the same kinds of things as travel agents, but hey, travel agents are doing it day in and day out. So are there any either resources that you would point people to or even just general tips that we haven't talked about for people to help make their travel accommodations? Um. Not that I can think of. I think the most important thing is to plan ahead. Plan ahead. That's why January 28th is National Plan for Vacation Day. Plan ahead. And you can do it yourself or you can find an agent, a trustworthy agent who will do it for you. But there's really nothing nothing more to it than just deciding that, you know, I'm going to decide that January or July 20th, I'm going to go on a vacation and you start planning for it. And the difference between travel agents and online travel engines is that I don't think online travel engines have a a, a payment plan. Yeah, so you have to pay everything uh, at once. So when you work with an agent, you can make small payments and you know, it's easier that way for most people financially just to make small payments as opposed to paying a lump sum of 3000 4000 at once. So that's the only difference is just planning ahead and uh, making sure that financially you can sustain the payments and be able to go away. That is also a good point. Again, wrapping up to all of the things that we're talking about that you don't want to add any extra stressors. You don't have to by uh, being worried about whether or not your vacation is going to break the bank you know, with uh, with anything else that you've got going on. Right. Well, Nicolene, I, I appreciate your time. Uh, I think that's everything that I had for you. Do you want to go ahead and give folks your contact information, your social media information, and then any upcoming events maybe that you want to let folks know about? Yes. Thank you, Greg. Yes. My, my phone number is 310-293-3355. And my website is healingwonderstravel.com. It's healingwonderstravel.com. Wonders has an S. So it's healingwonderstravel.com. And I am on Facebook, Nicoline, um, no, facebook.com slash Nicole, Or you can search Healing Wonders Travel on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram, um, instagram.com slash Ambi. And um, I would love to hear from uh, uh, potential clients who want to book travel. 
I'll take time to work with them, find out what they need, make sure that they enjoy their time away, and I'll always be available while they're away to make sure that I can um, intervene immediately to solve any issues they have um, on their trip and while they're away. I do take care of my clients. Perfect. And I will be sure to put all of your contact information into our show notes so that way folks can easily get to you for booking their travel plans. And Nicolene, again, I really appreciate you being on the show and I will talk to you later. Thank you so much, Greg. Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to give us a rating on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get podcasts. If you'd like to be notified of future weekly shows, please hit the subscribe button. Thank you. Suburban Folk is part of the Pod All the Time podcasting network. Hi there, it's Mo. And Chip. And we're the hosts of the Deep Dark Truth podcast. An allegedly hilarious podcast that dives into your favorite conspiracies, mysteries, and bizarre true crimes. We investigate cases like proven conspiracies, rituals, and the cryptid dating scene. Because local cryptids want to meet you. Listeners can also submit their own experiences and might find themselves featured on future episodes. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now. And keep searching for the deep, dark truth. Ugh, I hate when you do that. <laughs>